Verse 10. When the governor gestured for him to speak, Paul, Paul replied, Because I know that you have been a judge over the nation for many years, I confidently make my defense. Basically what Paul is saying is, you and I both know what's really going on here. We both know what the Jews are really like. We both know the delicate balance of appeasing Caesar and appeasing the Jews and maintaining the peace and not having rights and how easily they... But we know how crazy these people are. You've been governor here long enough, and I know that you've been here long enough, that I'm just going to speak plainly to you of what's going on. I went up to Jerusalem to worship. They did not find me arguing with anyone or stirring up a crowd in the temple courts or in the synagogues or throughout the city. Nor can they prove to you that these things that they are accusing me of doing. Paul first addresses the first charge. And he begins to address the first charge by stating, I was in Jerusalem for 12 days and there was no rioting. There was no I wasn't stirring any commotion. I had no gang. He even uses the word Nazarene again, like, come on, Felix, you know there's no gang of the Nazarenes. I didn't cause riots. In fact, I wasn't even arguing with anybody in any kind of a way. And then he goes on. Nor can they prove this to anything. Accusing doing. Remember? They, They have no evidence. Yeah, they've all come up here with their fancy lawyers and that kind of stuff, but they have no evidence of this. It's not like there's any CTV cameras. But I confess this to you, that I worship the God of our ancestors according to the way, which they call a sect. What he begins to state here is that what they're calling a gang, a sect of rioters, is actually the Christian, the way. And he knows that Felix knows what this is by now. Okay, It's been over 10 years. Felix knows what the way is. And Felix knows that the way is not causing any kind of problems either. And all that kind of stuff. According to the way which they are with sect. Believing everything that is according to the law. And that is written in the prophets. I have a hope in God. A hope that these men themselves accept too. So now he's finding the commonality. Look, we worship the same God. The God that they worship, the God is I God worship. The way, now what you may not know, Felix, is that the way is not a different religion. The way he worships the same God that they do. That there is going to be a resurrection of both the righteous and the unrighteous. This is the reason that I do my best to always have a clear conscience towards God and towards people. Now, he also knows that Felix knows the theology of the Jews really well. He knows that they, the, the, the Pharisees, and, and, the, and, and the Pharisees represent the vast majority of the Jews, too. The everyday normal Jews believe in the resurrection, the, the Sadducees are the minority. And so he says, look, I, I, what I'm mostly about is the resurrection. And, and you know by this time that the way is connected to Jesus. And you know that everybody believes that Jesus was raised from the dead. And that's what I'm preaching. So what he's saying is I worship the same God as them. I believe in the same theology as they do. Like, th- this isn't something weird or different. And he's also preaching the God resurrection. He actually can say it now because Ananias doesn't have the power to interrupt this anymore. After several years, I came to bring to my people gifts for the poor and to present offerings. Not only that, I'm, I'm helping provide for them. I'm doing charity. Like, if this is writing, going collecting money and bringing it to the poor, then like, okay, I guess I'm guilty of writing. And to present an offering. 
which I was doing when they found me in the temple, ritually purified, without a crowd or disturbance. So now he's beginning to move from the first charge that I'm a rioter, and in the second charge of defiling the temple, that I wasn't defiling the temple. Not only was I not disturbing anything in the temple, I wasn't disturbing the city, I wasn't disturbing the temple, but I was actually there purifying myself, which is like the complete opposite. Giving money to the poor and purifying yourself is not rioting and it's not defiling things. But there are some Jews from the providence of Asia who should be here before you and bring charges if they have anything against me. Or are these men here? Should you tell, should tell what the crime they found me guilty of when I stood before the council? Other than that, other than this one thing, I shouted out while I stood before them, I am on trial before you today concerning the resurrection of the dead. The only thing I could truly be guilty of, of like yelling out, is that I'm on trial for the resurrection of the dead, believing in that, promoting that. He has now dealt with the two charges. I wasn't writing in Jerusalem. I wasn't writing in the temple. I wasn't defiling anything. In fact, I was bringing money to the poor, and I was ritually purifying myself. He deals with those. But the other thing that he's dealing with here is he brings in his own counter-argument. And his counter-argument simply is, the people who have accused me of doing all this are not even from here. They came all the way from Asia, okay, up around Ephesus and um, Tarsus, um, Troas, not Tarsus, Troas and Ephesus and that kind of stuff, really specifically Ephesus. They came down, and they're the ones that accused me of this. But where are they? They're not here. Yes, Ananias and his people from the Sanhedrin made the journey up from Jerusalem to Caesarea to bring their charges against me. But they're not the ones who actually have made the first complaint. They're not the ones who, they didn't witness any of this. They weren't here. They're just the first court that this is all brought to. You're now the second court that this has come to. But the people who accused me of all this, they're not here. Where are they? And what Paul is arguing is, I'm not guilty of any Roman crime. Even what they've brought against you is not guilty. The rioting is totally suspect. The temple they can't prove. And the people who bring the evidence aren't here. The witnesses aren't here. So according to Roman law, this is a, this is a dismissal. This is a dismissal. They can tell you whatever they want. They can say whatever you want. But they have no accusers. They have no accusers. That is his counter-argument. As he also gets in, what he's really about, resurrection. Verse 24. Some days later, when Felix arrived with his wife, 22, then Felix, who, was, who understood the facts concerning the way, more accurately adjourned their hearing and saying, when Lysias, the commanding officer, comes down, I will decide your case. He ordered the centurion guard Paul, the centurion to guard Paul, but to let him have some freedom and to not and to not prevent any of his friends from meeting his needs. Felix, what it makes here is like Felix is like, okay, yes, I agree with you, Paul. I know exactly what's going on. I know what's exactly is going on. However, there's just one final thing that I need to do. 
I need to talk to Lysias himself. I've got his letter. Now remember once again, he also knows that Paul's a Roman citizen, which the Jews may not know at this point. Most likely they don't. And so what he's basically saying, there's just one last thing. I totally know what's going on. There's an, there's an idea here from what we're going to read later that he's probably leaning towards dismissing Paul. But he's just like, I just want to talk to Lysias right once. I want to ask him a few more things. When he gets here, I'll, I'll determine my case. But you're a Roman citizen. I know what they're like. And he orders for Paul to be put on guard, as in like you can't just run away and hide if you want. But you are not to be bound. You're not to be imprisoned in some nasty place. And your friends can bring you whatever you want. Some days later, verse 24, when Felix arrived with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. While Paul was discussing righteousness, self-control, which is Felix's shining hallmarks of his character, in the, commanding, commanding, um, in the coming judgment, Felix became frightened and said, Go away for now, and when I have an opportunity, I will send for you. At the same time, he was also hoping that Paul would give him money, and for this reason he sent for Paul as often as possible and talked with him. And after two years had passed, Porcius Festus succeeded Felix, and because he wanted to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. For two whole years, Felix kept him there. And some kind of prison. And he brought his wife and he would bring Paul out to talk. We don't exactly know what Felix's motives are. But he seemed to be interested in the gospel. There's no sign that he ever converted. Luke is not even hinting at his conversion in any kind of a way. But he was very interested in the gospel. And he would bring Paul out and him and his wife would listen. And they maybe it was just fascinating to them. But we know that it did affect him because when Paul started talking about the need for righteousness and self-control, which Felix did not have, and then that this would bring a judgment from God to not match this up, he would get afraid and it would bother him. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. He's being convicted. There's nothing about him responding to the conviction and repenting and accepting the gospel but it bothered him enough that he's like, I don't want to hear this anymore, and he would send Paul away. But yet there was something fascinating or intriguing about Paul's message that he would bring him back after a few days or whatever and do this. How often he did this in two years, we don't know. Okay, Maybe after a while, after a year or so, that he just got busy because the Jews were getting way worse. We're getting closer and closer to 70 AD and the riots. I don't know. I have no idea. But the point is not... What was going on with Felix? And what was happening with him? That's the curiosity in us, and there's nothing wrong with it. The point is, for two years, Paul was constantly brought before an entire entourage of elite, wealthy people, Roman and Jewish alike, and just kept preaching the gospel. And that's all Paul cared about. I mean, this is why Luke pretty much says, two years went by. Because nothing really significant happened in those two years when it came to the trial, when it came to the spread of the gospel and that kind of stuff. But at this point, in chapter 24, 
if you've really been paying attention to the themes that Luke has been developing in Acts, you should be thinking, oh yeah, the gospel was preached in front of very elite, powerful, politically influential people in Rome and Judaism, most specifically Rome, for two years. And the Romans were so fascinated by this that they kept bringing him out over and over again. And he preached and he preached and he preached and he preached with a captivated audience about everything you can imagine concerning righteousness, self-control, the resurrection, the gospel, judgment of Christ, the second coming, everything. And we know at this point that if Paul goes into a city for a couple of weeks and both Jews and Gentiles turn to Christ, with also a lot of writing, but that's not going to happen here because we're in Roman control now, then my goodness, how many people? And we learned over and over again that he even led people on the island of Cyprus, a Roman official to Christ. We learned later when we were in Ephesus and they were writing and they wanted to kill Paul and grab some of his followers, that highly ranked Roman officials were warning Paul not to go in and intercede who had come to Christ, or at least respected Paul enough to want to protect him. So if we've seen this over and over and over again as we've gone from city to city to city, then all Paul Luke has to say is for two years, he preached the gospel on a regular basis before the most powerful Roman officials of all the eastern coast of the Mediterranean Roman Empire. And it doesn't take much to realize lots of people came to Christ. That is the ultimate goal. And Paul could say, woe is me, I've been forgotten. Woe is me, this is a cat that's dangling me around like a mouse. And, or this is... Not sorry. This is, woe is me, I'm a mouse caught in a grip of something, being dangled in front of a cat, but whatever. But he doesn't complain. Is he feeling it? How many times has God come and encourage him in prison? I don't know. He's human. I know he says. This isn't happy-go-lucky every single moment for him. But it's not like, I need to find a good lawyer. I'm going to cause a riot and a sting. I'm going to fight that this is unjust. He just preaches the gospel. But then he's replaced by Festus. He's replaced by Festus. And Festus, what we do know about Festus is he's a novice. He's much younger. We don't know any about any positions that he had before this. There's a good chance that this is his first position. If it's not his first position, it's definitely his second or third position very early in his political career that he hasn't really mastered politics. And what we really do know is he knows nothing about the ins and outs of Judaism and Gentiles in this region. He doesn't know anything about the way, anything about Nazarenes, anything about Sadducees and Pharisees and what they're really like and how they go against each other. He doesn't know any of this stuff. And he's going to be an absolute novice. And all we know is that he is, he's a much nicer, more compassionate Roman governor compared to Felix. But he also wants the Jews to like him because he's such a novice. He's going to use Paul as his first political token to get the Jews to like him. Because what every Roman governor does know right out of the crib is that you maintain the peace no matter what and you try to prevent rights. And he knows that Paul at this time, is a controversy, so I need to get on the Jewish side. And that's what we know, and that's what we're going to go into. And so, just like gears shifted, 
when we moved out of the hands of the Sanhedrin into the hands of Felix in Caesarea, the gears are going to slightly, not as much, slightly shift again when we move into the hands of Festus, a more novice, naive governor, as we go into this next section.